You're listening to The Guardians of Sleep, a podcast produced by the Museum of Dreams. My name is Sharon Slavinsky. In this first season, we partnered with the Museum of London to find out how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the dream life of people living in the British capital. In this episode, we hear from Dr. Ashani Rao, a London-based doctor who's been working on the COVID ward since March of 2020. I am a medical doctor and I am training in London to become a GP with a special interest in emergency medicine. So I've had quite an interesting year. When I spoke to Dr. Rao, she was at home. And right away, she made sure to tell me that she had lots of time to give me. It was her day off. The wall behind her had an elaborate pattern. She wore a brightly colored orange blouse. She was radiating a sense of vibrancy. This young doctor was eagerly on the side of life, both her own, but also the lives of her patients. I had a bit of fun in my year off, and then I was pulled back to COVID wards from March, which was crazy. And... uh, which is when actually I started dreaming. (laughs) I've had dreams in the past, but this year has just been crazy in terms of real life and conscious life, but also dreaming life. So it's been intense. It's been eye-opening. It's been rewarding at times. And I'm quite happy now in my general practice job, which is taking a little bit of a step back and dealing with kind of the repercussions in, in the community because there are so many at the moment in terms of loneliness, anxiety, insomnia is a big one. Um, So all of these things which are coming back now and affecting patients in the long term are coming back to general practice. So that's been um, very eye-opening for me in terms of actually what we've been missing out on this year. Amidst all the pressures of the pandemic, Dr. Rao and another doctor managed to publish a collection of stories from the front line called National Health Stories. The book contains diary entries, anecdotes, stories that are deeply moving, and sometimes very funny. One entry comes from a doctor who is lamenting that he can no longer drink his favorite beer because of its name, Corona. Another contributor recalls being called in to work on a new VIP ward the same night that Boris Johnson went into hospital with COVID. The VIP ward had just one patient, who was listed on the charts as Quebec Zulu. Dr. Rao shared several dreams with me, the first of which was one that she included in the published collection. She was still laughing about the dream when she read it to me. Last night I had a dream that I was on the ward and I had to look into a patient's eardrum using an otoscope, which is the device that you use to look into people's ears if they've got an infection or if you want to see their eardrum. I looked down the ear canal and I saw a healthy cervix as if I was doing a smear test, but in the patient's ear. And then in my dream, I woke myself up laughing because I said, a smear test and the ear kind of stood out. So a smear test, I laughed in my dream. I told them that the exam was normal and I woke myself up laughing. What a dream. Dr. Rao looks into her patient's ear with an otoscope and she sees a healthy cervix. Well, I should say here that the Guardians of Sleep Project is not so interested in the act of interpreting dreams. We're more interested in the act of sharing and listening to them. 
What kind of speech act is this? To what exactly does a dream attest, and to whom? If Dr. Rao were speaking to a psychoanalyst, they would probably ask her to report everything that comes to her mind when she thinks about her dream. This process of free association is central to working with the unconscious. That's reporting all the chains of association, the stray thoughts, the seemingly random stuff that comes to mind when thinking about a dream. Here are Dr. Rao's initial thoughts about her dream of looking into her patient's eardrum. I just, I really thought that that was real life. When I was walking down the corridor, when I was checking my bag to make sure that I had all of the equipment that I needed, when I was putting on the personal protective equipment, I was working on medical COVID boards at the time, and it just seemed so real, that dream. And I don't often lucid dream anymore. I used to be able to here and there, but I haven't in a long time. But sometimes you have a perception that something's not right here. This isn't this isn't real life. This isn't this isn't what I do on an everyday basis. Uh, and for that one, I just remember everything being so real as if it was something that I'd just done, you know, a few hours before walking to check a patient. And I think that was the most striking thing to me that I really couldn't distinguish in my dream that that was a dream until the moment I saw the cervix in the ear and I just thought, wait a second, something's not real here. Contemporary clinicians have developed Sigmund Freud's ideas to focus on the act of listening to a dream. The way we listen is integral to bringing out the unconscious meaning in this communication. In this context, listening does not mean passively receiving the dream report. It involves engaging in one's own reverie process, which is to say, while the dreamer speaks, the listener pays attention to the thoughts and images that are passing through their own mind. In this way, both people are attending to the unconscious aspects of this communication. The practice aims to bring out a wider spectrum of meaning, to gain access to the full range of emotional life. When Dr. Rao was describing her dream of looking into her patient's ear, what passed through my mind was Sigmund Freud's famous specimen dream. This is the dream that opens his big book, The Interpretation of Dreams. It's a long and complicated dream, but the main action is exactly like Dr. Rao's dream. In the specimen dream, Freud, who himself was a relatively young doctor at the time, examines one of his patients. But rather than look into their ear, Freud looks into his patient's mouth. And what's amazing is that in both dreams, the dreamer sees something related to female genitalia. As my conversation with Dr. Rao continued, the echoes between her dream and Dr. Freud's dream deepened. I had a difficult situation at work. I say difficult. I had a horrible situation at work a few weeks ago where a patient died who shouldn't have died. He was 59 and he came in with a heart attack and I managed him immaculately. But I felt a bit, I felt like had I known he was going to die, now, in retrospect, I think, would, had I known he was going to die, would I have just put a bit more of a human spin on it? And this has been escalated, and it's not a fault of mine but that he died, because he died in the next hospital, which I transferred him to. And I think, had I known that this man was going to die, would I have at least said to him, 
how's, how's your year been? You know, how, do you want a cup of tea? Just something more human. And I've spoken to all my colleagues and I've run it by everybody. And they've said, no, you don't have the time to do that in this situation. You managed his heart attack. You did everything right. You transferred him to the next hospital. And then you move on to the next patient. You can't, you're not somebody's carer. You're not there to say, do you want a cup of tea? But anyway, that's been playing on my mind for the last couple of weeks. And I've been having dreams that I think are related to that, but not necessarily just about work. It's not in a work environment anyway. I can tell that the feelings are related to that. You know, I think it's my body trying to tell me, you need to let it go. You've tried to do what was best for that patient. You did what was best for that patient. You can't always do everything right. And some of my dreams have just made me feel a lot better about the situation in, in a really crazy way. Sharing her dream with me led Dr. Rao to give voice to her emotional struggle after a patient's death. You can hear self-reproach in her account, but mostly she seems to struggle with frustration about losing control after sending a patient on to someone else for care. A similar emotional situation surrounds Dr. Freud's dream. In his association, Freud admits the dream brought to mind one of his colleagues, Dr. Wilhelm Fleece a nose doctor to whom Freud had sent one of his own patients for further treatment, a woman named Emma Eckstein. Fleece conducted a disastrous operation on Eckstein, which almost killed her. He left a half a meter of gauze in her nose cavity during a surgery. And then two weeks later, when Eckstein was back in Freud's care, she had a massive hemorrhage. Freud was not responsible for the surgical misconduct, but he admits feeling guilty at the time and the incident is one of the most controversial chapters in the history of psychoanalysis. Two months later, he dreamt the specimen dream, the dream of a doctor struggling with the weight of what it means to be responsible for caring for the lives of others. In my conversation with Dr. Rao, we spent a little bit of time talking about the most vivid image in her dream, the cervix, the healthy cervix, and what it meant for her. At least it was healthy, at least it was a healthy <laughs> cervix. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. So it was a healthy cervix. Yeah, and I just got on with it and I said, okay, it was normal. So my patient felt, you know, I didn't even feel relieved in my dream that it was normal. I just thought, okay, I've done my job now. I'll just go on to, on to the next. <laughs> yeah, which I think is striking because speaking to a lot of my friends who have had anxiety about the last year, it's been difficult to gauge what's normal and what's not. What's a healthy level of anxiety to have? What is a normal level of nightmares or dreams to have it's really difficult to tell what's normal in such a new situation so I think for me to have dreams which are relatively nice and normal and healthy um that makes me really happy when I wake up but then again there is there's also the other side where I wake up and I feel very anxious and stressed and they've become a lot more regular as well since COVID started it seems remarkable that while this doctor is working on the COVID wards dealing with a virus that has taken the lives of tens of thousands of people in the UK alone. She dreams of a cervix, a healthy cervix, the gateway to the womb, the very seat of human life, the origin of the world to cite the title of Gustave Courbet's famous painting. I can't think of a better image to express the way dreams keep us on the side of life, the role they play in helping us feel alive. Dreams animate human life. That is their work. Dr. Rao herself had a more elegant way of describing this, which led her to share another dream with me. 
I'll, I'll tell you one, which I woke up and I just thought, I don't understand what that was about, but it was, again, very real. And I think the more I try and reflect on it, the more I can try and associate it with, with that experience. So I was in a huge hall, like a gym hall, and it was packed as in to the point where it was kind of like a gig where you kind of can't move and everybody's in each other's space. And um, we were all standing, facing different ways. It felt like hundreds or thousands of people. I couldn't see an end to all the people around me. And there was a stage at the front and somebody was shouting numbers. And I couldn't see who was shouting the numbers, but it was somebody at the front shouting in kind of like bingo. They were shouting, they were shouting eight. And we would all have to make a big figure of eight, but as if it was a bird's eye view. So everybody started running in one direction and people on the outside were staying still and people on the inside were trying to figure out how to make the best figure of eight. And then all of a sudden the number would switch. So they'd shout 11 and everybody was running in the figure of eight. And then you'd have to stop and think, okay, where am I now? How do I best join on to people to make the best figure of 11? And I remember in my dream thinking, okay, when you get to the end of a point where you think you should be changing, do you continue with that crowd of people that's already started the momentum? Or do you stop and do you try and make a change in that direction? And I remember in my dream thinking, okay, well, if I can continue with the momentum, it's not gonna go anywhere. The figure's gonna be really, really deformed. If I try and change direction, then it might go, all this, who knows what's gonna happen, but it's worth a try. And in my dream, I remember thinking, right, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna, I know that it's coming to the end of the point where you need to change. I'm gonna try it. And I just remember it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. And nobody was following me in my dream. And I woke up and I just thought, Okay, well, at least I tried. <laughs> at least you tried. Yeah, at least I tried. What does it mean to listen to these stories from the front line? Not just the stories about the front line of the COVID wards, but also, and maybe more importantly, what does it mean to listen to Dr. Rao describe her inner world? to get a glimpse of the imaginary plane where she makes meaning out of the chaotic things that she encounters in reality. I tried, she says. And indeed she found the courage to try, even when she had no idea how it was gonna go. The Guardians of Sleep aims to amplify the work of dreaming. We hope to provide a platform for people to share the things they have trouble expressing otherwise, and to create a space where we might learn to listen to each other anew. Thank you for joining us. This season of The Guardians of Sleep is produced by the Museum of Dreams in partnership with the Museum of London and Birkbeck's Department of Psychosocial Studies. The podcast is edited by Aaron McIndoe Sproul, with music by Andrew Braun. 